In this episode of Opportunity Knocks, we talk about three main topics and a whole bunch of other stuff. Ownership versus control, how to avoid friction and toxic relationships. Stay tuned. Welcome, welcome, welcome once again to Opportunity Knocks. My name is Dean Miller. I am your host, and we're back for yet another episode. I will no longer give the episode numbers because Corey, my producer, has told me I have a tendency to go out of order, and we don't want to confuse you, the listener, any more than I'm confused. Thank you so much for tuning in. We greatly appreciate all the comments and feedback that we've gotten over the previous couple weeks, uh, and we look forward to doubling down and bringing you more and more episodes of Opportunity Knocks, the, the story of and it's going to lead me into my guest, people's small business journeys, the entrepreneur, entrepreneurial journey. Uh, and why I, one of the many reasons why I think we connected with today's guest is because he hosts a podcast called The Business Journey, correct? Yes, The Business Journey Podcast. So there you go. So without any further ado, welcome to our, to our studio, Sean. Uh, I just slipped up. That's all right. With that, thanks for <laughs> thanks thanks for having me. Um, I've been following you guys on social media. You and Corey, absolutely killing it. We appreciate it's it. Super, yeah. honestly, it's super inspiring and fun to just watch you guys. And I think that for us has been the number one thing. You know, when people said to us, uh, you know, why why the hell are you doing this? And, and let me give you a proper introduction. Introduction, Sean Fitzgerald. So thank you. Go. I got you your go. first name, not your last name. I want <laughs> you know why why did we start this journey? And we said. You know, when you originally get into stuff like this, and I don't want to take over the whole conversation, but I'm just going to lead and then and throw it all back yeah, at you. There's always that you don't want to be the narcissist. You don't want people looking at you saying, oh, what the yeah. who the hell is he? Yeah. Uh, and, and I even said to myself, we had the doubters. I said, what the hell do I have to say that people will want to listen to? Yeah, you can't worry about what other people think. And we posted four episodes and 200 people downloaded it and listened to it. And I was like, holy crap, what, what was that all about? Who the hell are these people? Yeah. <laughs> so let, let's let's start with that, because I think that's part of what connected us was the wonderful world of Instagram. Yeah. Um, and actually, Ed Turney uh, yes. was one of your first guests. Yeah, Ed's great. Dude, Ed's a really great guy. Ed was Super. the guy who lit the fire under my ass to get all of this started. Now, oh, we'll, we'll touch on that story, but tell, tell yeah. me about it. Yeah, I had I had Ed on. I know him through a friend, uh, Jacob Glazer, and uh, Ed reached out. He wanted to be on the show. We talked about it. It was a perfect fit. Um, he's a super motivational guy, entrepreneur too. Um, so we kind of just hit it off, shared stories about each other, yeah. you know, growing up and stuff. And uh, you, you know, guys, are, you off. guys are close in age as well. A little uh, bit, yeah, I'm close, not sure. closer than I am. That's yeah, I'm sure. not sure how old he is, but I'm 31. Okay. Yeah. So I think, I think it's right around that ballpark. I got you both by 15, 20 years at least. <laughs> um, Ed, Ed was the guy who I originally contacted. So Ed and I met through the wonderful world of Gary Vaynerchuk. Yes. We, we both did the four D's program. Yes. Ed uh, told me, how was that? It was, it was absolutely incredible. I'm a slow learner. I actually mm -hmm. did it twice. Okay. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm the only, I believe I'm still the only one to this day who's ever done that. Uh, and that, again, not necessarily a badge of honor, but they were new in the process. It was only the second one they did. I was supposed to go to one yeah, yeah. canceled because my schedule conflict. I went to the second one. They were still working out the kinks. And the, the one subject that they mentioned yeah. that I was the number one thing on my list to take home. They didn't have enough time to do it that day. So I worked out a deal. I said, let me come back and audit when yeah. you do it again next month. And they worked out a better deal for me. And six, seven months later, I went back and did the whole thing. And it, it had evolved so much, which was, that's one of the things I want to talk about is evolution of a business with you. Mm. Um, you know, they took this program that the, the ticket price on it when they first started was 10 grand and they evolved it so much over six months that it was not unidentifiable, 
unidentifiable. Mm. Uh, you saw the wireframe was still there, but they did so much. They got so much more condensed with certain things and so much more broad with others. And yeah. it really had a huge impact. And any entrepreneur, small business owner who has access to come to New York or any of the cities where he does it, yeah. I'm, I'm a resource if you want to bounce things off me. We built a nice community of people who've attended. Uh, and that's how I met Ed. Ed was at session number one, I think. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I hired Ed. So Ed started a media company. He owns kickboxing studios and, mm. and uh, he started a media company and we got to talking and he says, let me give you my guy free for a day. And if it works, then you hire us. And the guy he ended up giving me was Jason Moreno, who's actually oh, yeah, very yeah. good friends with Corey. Yeah, he's uh, on Gary V's team, right? And he's on T he got hired to work on Team Gary V. He got the offer the day after he shot my first episode, my pilot episode. Wow. <laughs> but what I really where where I really get excited about that is I I like to tell people my media director, videographer, D-Rock actually turned down a job at Vayner to come work for me. And I like yeah, yeah. I like to say that all the time because <laughs> it's kind of true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so let, let's touch on, let's touch on the world of, you know, we're talking about Gary and we're talking about okay. podcasts. Let's talk about social media Yeah. before we even get into what your business is. Let's touch on the things I know for a fact you're doing, you're doing well. What made you start a podcast? <sighs> Gary Vaynerchuk. Okay. <laughs> um, I just, you know, I just kept listening to some of his content and he just made so many good points on why you should have one. And the one that stuck out to me the most was becoming the mayor of your own town. You know what I mean? Yeah. The digital and, mayor. Yeah. The digital mayor. So even if it's just interview the local coffee shop, interview the local guy who owns an auto repair shop, whatever the, the local restaurant, you know, just interview those people, learn about the business. And people that are in that area are going to be interested in learning about that business because they live there naturally. and they're going to find it interesting. Yep. Um, and I wasn't sure how much I wanted to do it. I was very nervous to do it. And in the beginning, this was the other funny part. In the beginning, I was like, all right, what camera do I need? And I started like, look for a day, looking at different cameras. All right, what microphones do I need? And just spending way too much time looking into the equipment. And um, I just finally was like, okay, you know, I have to just buy this piece of equipment and just start the podcast and just do it. And that's it. Um, and after I did one or two, I actually really enjoyed doing it. And now I'm, I think, I forget the episode numbers too, but I think I'm somewhere around 20 episodes. Yeah, you, I know you're, I, I'm, I'm almost positive you did at least 19 because I, yeah. I was scrolling through your, your page earlier today just to kind of get a little feel because we've never yeah, met yeah. before. Yep. You know, we, we've literally chatted through DM. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and I, I think maybe we had a conversation. If, if, we yeah. had, if we had any, it was one. Yeah, yeah, it was, um, it was probably one and then just engaging on each other's content. But, you know, but again, content. it's like, here, you walk in the office and the big smile on both of our faces, it feel like we know each other. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and we far from know enough, but it's mm -hmm. like we talk about all the time, you know, in, in sales, which is, I think every business is a sales business in some way, yeah, shape or for form. Sure. You need to get people to know, like, and trust you to do business with you. Yeah. Um, and we've been planning this and trying to make this happen for a while, but logistically mm -hmm. it just didn't work out for a couple of weeks. Um, but I'm glad we finally were able to do it. Yeah. And let, let me just touch, touch up on the uh, podcasting for one more second. I think it's important, even though I got the initial idea from Gary, you know, hearing his content, a big part of it for me was, it sounds a little cheesy, but a big part of it for me was how cool would it be? I never knew my grandpa. There's okay. nothing I could, there's no pictures of my grandpa. There's no video of my grandpa. Really? How cool would it be if 
30 years from now, there's all this content that I have, even if it only impacts 15 people. And if it that, impacts one, that's yeah, the way I look yeah, at exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. That someone from my family 40 years from now can review and say, wow, look what Sean did. Oh, look, yeah. he was talking about this, 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 this. And they can reflect on stuff yep. and learn about me, even though I'm no longer here. So I just think, I thought that I, was- I think that's an awesome way to look at it as well. And I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I don't think it's cheesy. I think we're regurgitating stuff from somebody that we revere as the master at it, yeah. who talks, who used to talk about it a lot more than yeah. he does now. Ironically, the day we set up the equipment for the first time ever, mm. my first ever quote unquote guest was my daughter who was 10 at the time. Okay. Uh, and we were in the, we were in the office two doors down where you and I were sitting and it was literally just a plastic folding table. Uh, I don't think they're here anymore. No, that, it's one just like that. The sitting in the corner oh, okay. over there. We had a plastic folding table with this stuff here. Corey rigged everything up and I sat down with her and talked to her. Oh, that's cool. And we've got it on video and we've got the audio for it. I've never published it as an episode yet. I keep yeah. threatening to do it, but I really want to go back and listen to it again because She's 11 now and I don't want, I don't want her saying, why are you playing that? Yeah, yeah. Although then again, I might save it until she's a little older and just yells at me and says, dad, why are you playing that? Yeah, right. <laughs> just to be that spiteful dad. I've got three yeah. older kids, so I know what it's like to have teenage girls in the yeah. house. Um, but it was, it, you know, I, I look at that for her and say she was, she was comfortable in front of the microphone. She wants to be on Broadway. She loves the spotlight and plays music and sings and doesn't dance well. She's got no rhythm, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but she was, she was a great guest and we talked and, you know, I had to pull stuff out of her like you mm. would with any 10 year old when you're trying to have a conversation. Yeah. And I still had that business mindset in my mind when we were having a conversation and she played well with it. So mm. I look at that for her and say, Hey, you know what? In a couple of years, she'll be able to look at that. And when she says, well, do you, when someone comes to her and says, do you have any time on camera? I could say, yep, I got 35 minutes of her right Yeah, that's here. right. Yeah. You got that uh, content. And that's different. So it's, it's, it's been fun. So I, what I love about yours, like you said, you find, you just find local business owners. Yeah. Local business owners. And it doesn't necessarily just have to be a local business owner. If it's um, like my friend, Jake, he's in the military. He's thank you for your service, by the way, thank, you're an air force you. veteran, correct? Yeah. United States air force. Yep. I was an aircraft electrician for six years. Um, I never deployed anywhere, but I stayed in the U S did some time in Texas, Mississippi, okay. um, helped out during hurricane Sandy. I think, God, that was, 2010. Yeah. It's 2010. Um, too soon, but too, too long ago. Yeah. It it seems sooner than that, but yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. 10 years already. Um, so yeah, did the six years and, um, what was the original question? I don't know. I, I just drew a blank. Right there. Yeah. I've, well, we always affectionately say we're going to rename the show. Welcome to the life in the yeah. rabbit hole because I fall <laughs> down at every episode guaranteed yeah. at least twice. So thanks for leading me down to the first yeah, time. No. <laughs> uh, we were talking about, you know, your guests, how they're local business owners. Oh yeah. Like yeah. That. So um, yeah, mainly local business owners. But like I said, if I have a friend like Jake, who's in the military, he wants to be on the show, come on the show. We can talk about whatever side business you have or right. whatever you have going on. I'm not keeping it to a strict, thing, but, but that long- was kind of the, the, again, to use the phrase, that was the wireframe you were originally yeah, started with. Yeah. And even if it's not a local business owner, just learning about how they got into whatever business they're in mm-hmm. and what motivates them to keep going, yeah. things of that nature. Yeah. We we've gone down that path. You know, I was advised in the beginning, I, I mapped out a, a half a dozen people and I said, mm-hmm. what do they have in common? Yeah. And I didn't want this because I'm, you know, real estate is, is the industry that I've chosen to provide the majority of my family's revenue. Yeah. Um, I'm tied to a lot of people in the industry. So I've got insurance people and I've got, uh, I've got uh, title people and lawyers and, and mortgage broker after mortgage broker who all want to come and do it. And I, I try to stay as loyal as possible to those who have 
done the best job for my clients, not yeah, necessarily for me, but for my clients. So I, I keep a few kind of in the wings and say, when your opportunity comes up, I have no problem doing it. But if you're doing it for the sake of trying to steal the business that I share with someone else, that's not right. Yeah. Um, but it's what led us to, to the whole other concept of if you live here, mm. cheap plug on Facebook, if you live here, Long Island, cheap plug <laughs> on Facebook cool. and, and Instagram, where we go out and we shoot videos and basically do long form videos for local businesses, because I, I believe in entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe in small business owners. It's what I've always invested my time, effort and my money into. Uh, and it's what I've done. Um, you know, I, I started my first business as a teenager when I was, when I was, a, ran a legitimate mobile DJ business, Gold, oh, nice. <laughs> flashback, gold star entertainment. And we had a go. lot of fun. Um, but I, I love that connection. I saw you met with the guys who run the, uh, the fire Island ferry. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and you've got a couple other interesting guests. And I, I tell people all the time, I encourage you to keep speaking with them. But like you said, don't limit it to just a geographic area because our original guest list to go back to where I think I started this conversation mm-hmm. was um, we had a couple authors in all, you know, a couple, two best-selling authors, a third one who, who's an old high school buddy of mine who wrote a, a book on, on addiction wow. and, and talked about some crazy stuff. And yeah, we, had, imagine. we had a commercial broker in here and all of a sudden it felt like we were sitting in a Buddhist temple. We dove deep into the soul in that one episode <laughs> with Chris Pesci. And it was, I, I don't want to get overly dramatic. It wasn't life changing but he even said to me he and i have built a much closer relationship as a result of that day sitting at the table mm-hmm. uh because i just kept he kept opening up so i kept digging in and pulling more and more out we yeah, got yeah, very yeah. deep and philosophical and it was a lot of fun uh not my highest my highest down rated rated episode so far yeah. but one of the ones i'm most proud of um so now i look at it and and the people who i talk to say well you need to have people of authority and they got to be authors or they've got to be uber successful and i said yes there's a place for them Mm-hmm. but there's also a place because I'm not one of them. Yeah. You know, everybody's hounding me to write a book and it's something I may look into starting to do second or third quarter this year, but that's a two or three year project mm-hmm. for a guy like me. Uh, and then I look at the small business owners, you know, the people who run the little kitchen across on the other side of the train tracks for me, who it's, it's literally a, a mom and pop breakfast, lunch, and that kind of place. Um, the, the, the barber who's around the corner, the guys who run DJ's Clam Shack, where mm-hmm. I got my lunch from today, another plug for them. And it was absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Um, Sounds good. But I've, I've had business consultants and strategists in here, uh, guys who develop websites and build databases and have written books and, and are professional coaches. Um, I think exposing the, the message of, hey, business is is challenging. Business can be fun, but business is tough and it's hard as hell. And where do people succeed and where do people fail? And that's where we came up with the name of Opportunity Knox. It's a great name. Um, because I think there's opportunity in everything and that's where I want to go with you. So let's, let's take, let's it. take a step back and let's go through to steal your podcast name. Let's go through your business journey. Let's do it. You get out of the air force and what happens? Yeah. You know what? Actually, let's rewind a little bit. Okay. So before the air force, let's just start from high school. Um, so high I love school, that. yeah. So high school, I met this kid named Jacob Glazer, who's now one of my best friends. Um, and at the time I really didn't know anybody with money and not that he had a ton of money, but he was well-dressed, had a nice car. Perception is reality. He, yeah. He seemed like a very happy guy. So my initial thought was like, Hey, what do you do? Like, what, what type of work are you into? told me the military and what branch and all this stuff. My first reaction was, how do I get into, how do I, how do I do that? Okay. And he told me, Hey, here's the contact this is the person you want to reach out to. 
And I reached out to the person, took the ASVAB test that you have to take to get in, yep. went to boot camp, six years. Now, just to go into the insurance aspect, the two connect, I'll, I'll show you why. With insurance, I rekindled with my aunt um, about halfway through my military career. Now with the military, it's National Guard. So it's one weekend a month. Right. And you know, you can do two weeks or more throughout the year, but you could still have a full-time job. Right. Is what I'm getting at. So my aunt gets married, they invite me to the wedding. And now I haven't seen my aunt for a very long time. So I go to the wedding, I meet my new uncle, and they invite me to their house. So I go to their house. It's in Bayport, right on the water. Again, I've only met maybe one person that has what I thought was a lot of money, right. you know, probably $75,000 a year. So I, I, I walk down the driveway. The first thing I notice is a brand new Mercedes Benz. It literally looked like a Batmobile. The image is stuck in my head. Um, you know, another big truck. I walk around the side of the house. I see that they live on the canal. And on the canal was a big boat pushed against the uh, bulkheading at an in-ground pool. Again, my first thought was, oh my God, I got to find out what this guy You're does. You're living a life. Yeah, I got to, what, yeah. what the hell is this guy doing? So when I got to the house, literally within five minutes of talking to him, the same conversation I had with Jake, uh, what do you do? He tells me insurance. I don't think anyone gets excited when they hear insurance. So I was like, what type of insurance? And, you know, we started digging into it a little bit. Again, the same conversation. How do I get into that? And I said, are, are, you, are you hiring? Because I didn't know you needed a license. I knew nothing about the right. industry. Um, I didn't even know what a premium was. So Because you weren't paying them yet. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he tells me, you know, basically the way he said it was like, hey, hey, you know, get your license and we'll talk. You know what I mean? So I went home, Google, how to get your insurance license, signed up for the course. It was, you know, a three-month course. I got my license. I called my uncle and I said, hey, I got my license. Like, can you still offer me a job? And I could tell like on the phone, he's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll call you back. And you know, the next day he called me back and he's like, yeah, you got the job. Come on, like come down. Um, and you know, I had the interview with somebody from nationwide at the time. Um, and I got the job and I did that for nine years. And uh, you know, he taught me a lot about the business, how to work with underwriters, um, you know, how to cause less fr friction between the insurance carrier and the customer you know, how important it is to build relationships, things like that within the industry. Um, so yeah, I learned a lot through, throughout the years. And, uh, you know, now after doing it for nine years, I decided to open up my own independent insurance agency in Melville called LAF Advisors. Congratulations. Brand and, spanking new. Yeah. Brand spanking new Good about exactly a week ago today. So it's uh, been quite the uh, seven days. <laughs> talk about, talk about opportunity. And, yeah. And, opportunity knocks, right? <laughs> so uh, what, you know, so you had, you had the security of a name brand for a long time behind you. You mentioned Nationwide. Yeah, well, in the beginning, it, technically, it was always um, the Eric Funk Agency. Okay. Even though we had access to Nationwide, we were okay. still technically independent. On what sense. causes somebody to jump? Because I, I, love, I love the Steve Harvey video where uh, he talks about jumping. You know, yep. He was on stage at doing Family Feud and he, at the end of a show, he came out there and passionately told this story about jump. But I think that's what he named his book right after that. It, and it was, um, it was a very empowering video. I think everybody who questions themselves or their ability to do things needs to watch that and study that. Yeah. Um, you, you took that jump, that leap of faith. 
there could be, I'm going to guess because you saw some kind of opportunity that better serves your needs. Yeah. Um, I think it's tough to explain, but I think subconsciously I always had, honestly, without even knowing it, I think I just always struggled with the fact I didn't have ownership or any type of ownership in the business. And that eventually just got me to thinking, and I, I've always had this entrepreneurial type of like bug, I would call it, yep. you know, from 10 years old, shoveling driveways, knocking on doors, mm-hmm. raking leaves, you know, things like that. Um, so I've always had that passion for owning, wanting to own a business or being a partner in a business. You know what I mean? So it's just something I thought about for the last couple of years. And, you know, I, again, kind of a cheesy saying, but I've always read and heard that on the other side of risk is reward. Mm-hmm. And I find that to be true. And also too, for me personally, there's always something good that happens when you have your most difficult conversation in your life. So some of the most difficult conversations I've had in my life have led to the best things. For example. That's, a, I, that's a tweetable quote right there, yeah. by the way. <laughs> for, for example, an ex-girlfriend that I lived with, I had to kick her out of the house. Most difficult, one of the most difficult conversations I've ever had in my life wound up being the best thing for me ever. Not Does that make sense? Not to take the cheap shot, but addition by subtraction sometimes is the best thing. Listen, <laughs> that we, we all have people in our lives that we love and adore and yeah. don't ever want to see ourselves living without or not having them as part of our lives. Yeah. But sometimes you take that, that, that inner voice says to you, are they putting you in a position to become the best version of yourself that you can be? Yeah. And sometimes you've got to, you, you may not even realize it. The relationships can be so bad that they become toxic. Yeah. Um, you know, and I've referred to certain, you know, when I've had conversations like this with people, I've said, you know, these people become a cancer in your lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes it hurts because they could have been your best friend growing up. They could be a family member. They could be your spouse. Yeah. You know, I, I got one friend, uh, that I worked with years ago when I worked in a, in a, in a, uh, a data center back in my early, early, early twenties. Mm-hmm. And the guy married the same woman three times. Um, now he was batshit crazy. <laughs> he was batshit crazy. I don't know why she would want to marry him. He used to have that joke all the time, but there was a point in their lives where they realized that they were going in different directions and they became toxic to each other mm-hmm. that they amicably divorced. Yeah. He got remarried. Then they got remarried. Then they got divorced. Then she got remarried and she got divorced. And then they remarried again. It was the weirdest daisy chain looking relationship I've ever seen in my life. I'm confused uh, just hearing it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I'm trying to remember who it is. One of the old time Hollywood stars. She got married eight times. Uh, Liz Taylor. Okay. Like she was just a professional divorcee. You know? <laughs> That's too much stress. Uh, but I, I truly believe that, that sometimes you've got to rip the bandaid off and say to somebody, as much as I love you and appreciate you. Yeah you're holding me back or, or even more admirably, I'm holding you back. Exactly. You know, and sometimes it's not about jumping. It's about pushing someone else when they're on the edge to say, you need to take that, that leap of faith. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I would say we always end up getting a little bit deep from time to time. (laughs) I didn't get deep. (laughs) Yeah. But, but I, I I think those are some of the greatest things to happen to people. So so continue. Yeah, for sure. Um, Where were we as far as the, as far as uh, the business goes, 
Yeah, so you 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 take you take the leap. You're running your own show now. Yeah, I mean it's only been seven days. So what? And, and as far as right, let me take it. Let yeah. me take a step back. Because where where I'd love to go with this, and I think we're starting. Mm-hmm. You keep using the word ownership, mm-hmm. which I really admire. Okay, because you're not use. It's I I admire that almost as much as the fact that you're not using the word control. Yeah, is yeah. there a reason for that? Um. Yeah, I think it's important to note too that when I talk about whatever past relationship or past business, I'm not pointing fault to anybody except myself. I a hundred percent could have done a better job at my last business of communicating what I wanted more a hundred percent past relationships, the same thing. So I think it is important to note that I do take ownership for whatever mistakes I make, or even if they're not mistakes, even if the decision I made was a better decision, I, you know, take ownership for that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where that comf- uh, comes from when I say it. Um, and I think it's important for people. I don't know if you follow Jocko at all. Jocko little Willink. Bit. I just, I just bought a whole bunch of his stuff and I started going yeah. through it because I, I, I heard him on, Ro- on Joe Rogan and I've heard a couple other things and I saw how much he put out there. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just going to buy it all now and then start reading them. Every other book I read yeah. a lot. So every other book I read for the next probably two months will be one of his. Yeah. His book, Extreme Ownership is, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and it literally just solidifies the point of whatever you do, it's your fault to an yep. extent, yep. whether it's good or bad. Yeah. So that's where that yeah. comes from. You know, you, you mentioned the communication and taking responsibility for that. And, you know, yeah. we were talking about my, my, my efforts in the restaurant industry for a while. And one of the things that led to, I'll, I'll call it my demise, mm. uh, was my lack of ability to communicate properly to the people who were most important when it came to operating the place. And it's what led to an opportunity to sell the place and get out of it mm. and give me a better quality of life as I define it now. Yeah. But it, it did lead to the downfall of, of we have to get out of this business. It, it severely hurt a very close personal friendship that I had, uh, both myself, uh, myself and my wife with, with this other couple. Mm. Um, but we've since patched it back up because oh, I, I realized one day um, that it, it was, I didn't realize that my communication I thought my communication was getting through mm-hmm. and that it was working both ways. Yeah. But I realized that the way people interpret how you communicate with them is almost as important as the ability to communicate with them. Yeah. You know, you've, you've got to be a little bit of a mind reader. Yeah, yeah. It's tough. It's tough. And I think, I think partnerships are very tough. Yeah. Um, whether it's family or not family. Yep. And like we were talking about communication is everything. Yeah. yeah. So You've got the podcast, you communicate, yep. you, you're engaging with your community. You've got your new business and you've got yes. a game, you've got a game plan for it. Let's talk, let's talk a little bit about the details of the business so that we, if there's anybody out here who has a need for your services, we'd okay. love to connect you with them. Yeah. I, my business is what I specialize in is the hospitality contractor and auto repair sectors specifically okay. in New York. We obviously do what other agencies do, personal lines, auto, home, flood, all that fun stuff. Um, but I think what separates LAF from other agencies is the fact that we, I want to sit down with people and explain to them and educate them about their insurance policy. You wouldn't believe how many people I've spoken to. They just know not, they just want to pay the premium and that's it. Right. And you know, some people, they don't want to know about their policy and that, that's okay too, but it's important that they know what they're covered for because they might say, Hey, I'm not covered for I'm covered for A, but what about B? Right. And then that's something we have to address. Um, so I think it's important to educate the person, the customer. And I also think it's important that 
the customer doesn't feel like they're being treated as a number, um, which I've noticed a lot in this industry. I think it's very important to build a relationship with somebody, not just get the sale and the agent disappears and you maybe hear from them once every five years. Right. Um, because once you, for the most part, once you buy a policy and, and uh, if this comes across as too remedial to you yeah. or anybody listening, I apologize in advance, but let's educate <laughs> the less educated because yep. there are people who are younger and newer and haven't done these things. Um, you know, once someone buys a policy, they say, okay, I'm covered. Nothing really ever changes, does it? Yeah, it depends. Um, what I'm trying to do moving forward with this new company is depending on the, everyone's policy is different, but it is important to have an annual review of your policy because things change, right? You get expansions on your house, your business grows, you might have a new ring you need insurance. You know, there's so many different things that can come into play. Even if nothing's changed, it's good to have that contact say, Hey, Chris, um, you know, we haven't spoken a year. I just wanted to go over with you, your homeowner's policy. Has anything changed since last year? Um, you know, just check in and say hello. Again. So as, and like I said, because I'm in the real estate business and a lot of people who are in the industry have listened to what we do, yep. let's make that clear. It's another way to communicate with your quote unquote past clients to say, yes. hey, you put that extension on the house, you, you redid the plumbing, you redid this or that. These are the kind of things where you really need to, to wake up and reach out to your insurance agent and say, we've made these changes. What do you recommend? Yes. And I think it's important too, to have specific automation in place because some of the larger agents will say, you know, well, we, we have thousands and thousands of clients. How are we supposed to reach out to every single one, every single year? Mm -hmm. If you have the right management system in place with the right automation in place, those messages are going out automatically. Hey, Chris, Sean from LAF, you know, you're annual review is coming up in three months. We'd love to sit down with you and talk about it or schedule a phone call. Um, you know, here's, here's a link to schedule a meeting with us. Let yep. us know what works best for you. And automation is automation is a, looked at as a very dirty word by some people. Yeah. I think it is the key to success in any business because I don't look at automation as saying AI or robots are going to do my job for me. Yeah. The best automation systems we have internally in the real estate business are those that remind us to make those calls to yes. send, and to schedule those emails and to review those campaigns that we wrote that are sending those emails out automatically yep. to make sure that they still do have the most current up-to-date information. A hundred percent. And I think as long as the technology or the automation isn't replacing the communication as a whole, right. it's okay. So it, as long as you're not it's not taking away the relationship. It you know enhances what I mean? the communication 100%. as opposed to just automating it. Yeah. And, and I agree. And I think for, let's go down that path a little bit, just mm -hmm. business operations. Um, you know, we, we, I've always been a database guy going back yep. to the days where I worked at MasterCard's data center back <laughs> in the God to last century. Um, <laughs> but we've always looked at those things. Any business I ever ran, what, what are the things that we do repeatedly that we really are not the most dollar productive things for us, but are extremely important. You know, yeah. in, in my business, following up with a past client to let them know something drastically good or bad is changing in their neighborhood that yeah. could have an impact on property values. Yep. Um, you know, it, it's how, who they know, who's coming to the neighborhood mm -hmm. that they know, who's leaving the neighborhood that they know. Um, keeping people up to date on what's happening in the school districts and with taxes. And Yeah, I think that's huge. And, and anytime something like that happens, if we could throw it into a system that can automatically process that and send it out to our, our past 
past, present, future clients yep. to say, we, we want to be the guide in your process. You know, I couldn't agree more. Things like that. Things like even, even as far as someone writes a new policy, the system's automatically going to send them a nice welcome letter. Right. You know, welcome to the agency, blah, right. blah, blah. Here's, here's a link to write us a testimonial, yep. blah, blah, blah. Tell us about our good service, whatever the case yeah. may be. So yeah, I think there's plenty of different cases for it. And like you said, and that's one thing I'm looking to implement to my agency is some sort of monthly or quarterly market update. Yep. You know, this is what's going on. These are, you know, some of the things you should look out for moving forward. We started doing it um, at some point last year mm-hmm. where we contracted with a statistician and, and she goes into the MLS for us and she pulls data specifically that we asked for yeah. that I think is relevant to people who live in a neighborhood. And one of the things that I pride myself in, in the real estate industry is I don't like the status quo of anything anywhere. I've always been that rebellious kid. Yep. Uh, e- even all these years later. Um, so what is everyone else doing? Good. That's the last thing in the world I want to do. Now, there are some similarities to some agents to yeah. what we do, but we literally post a market update every month that talks about what changed, what were the top 10 transactions in your neighborhood and why? Because I believe as someone who's, who puts people in a position and does a lot of transactions, I don't ever like to say that I sell houses. I've only sold the homes that I own. Mm-hmm. I help other people sell their homes. Um, but, you know, if property values are going down or going up, people should know. You look at your stock portfolio at least once a quarter when you get that statement. Most people look at it monthly when they get a statement. Yeah. Why is it that the biggest financial investment that you, most people are ever going to make, they don't worry about what did Bob and Mary's house down the block sell for? That's a good well, point. if it went for 10% less than what the market says it is, mm. is that because the market's changing or because the house was a dump? You need to know that. I I have access to let you know if the house was a dump or not. Yeah. And I've seen Um, you guys do some, uh, not to sound like a fanboy, but (laughs) I've seen you guys do some, you know, it's almost like, I don't want to say it's like a news channel, but it's almost like, Hey, it's Dean Miller. And this is the market update for the past month. And dude, those are awesome. Yeah. We didn't, how did you come up with the idea? We didn't do year end, uh, a year end report because just the, the schedule was so challenging, but yeah. it's something that we want to do monthly. Yeah. Uh, and I'll, I'll probably regret not doing that one year end report in about three or four months, <laughs> but the, the January numbers just got posted. We just got them yesterday and we'll sit down in front of the green screen tomorrow. Oh, so cool. I, I believe in the power and leverage of coaching mm-hmm. and of networking with people. And I'm not a networker. Like I don't do BNI and all those other ones, mm-hmm. uh, but connecting with people. Yeah. Uh, and I've had the opportunity to work with and for some of the best coaches in the real estate industry, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and I've had the opportunity to meet with some of the best and, and craziest out there wild real estate agents. And I talked to everybody. So we were invited out to two events in California last year mm-hmm. um, where I basically attended. And it was for, it was for real estate agents who are looking to pursue more of the media thing. Okay. And a lot of us got to bring our videographers with us. So Corey came with us. And while I was sitting and learning, he actually sat down and took over the room with the videographers and they asked him to teach a couple things. So, um, <laughs> that's cool. So we, we, we spend as much time as possible watching other people. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and to use another Vaynerchuk line to not fanboy there too much. But yeah. one of the things I learned very early on after I met Gary the first time was I don't watch what he does, what, what he's producing. I don't necessarily watch his content to hear the message that's coming out of that piece of content. I watch what he's doing. Yeah. When is he posting? Where is he posting? Why? When is he changing? Now we've got an insider at Vayner. So when things change and I've got connections with people there from my efforts to, to, nice. to work with them. 
Uh, I got to host two events for for Gary and his one for Gary and his team, and one for Gary and an actual business dinner with the people oh, cool. from one of the banks he was working for. So they they are willing to answer my questions from time mm-hmm. to time, which is which is pretty nice. I got to be a pest to get them answered, but yeah. <laughs> every once in a while they they do answer. So when something changes in his world, we we get the opportunity to ask why did that change. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's we just want to try something different. Yeah. Sometimes it it wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing I love about him and his team specifically is they never stopped doing something because it worked. Yeah. Which is I've historically famous for in my businesses. You know, we had this system; it was running so well. Why'd you stop doing it? Well, it was working, and I saw a squirrel, so I had to look at that and chase yeah, yeah. it, as opposed to doubling down on what was working well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, we came up with the idea. My my good friend Danny Griffin, who I've known almost twenty years, who mm-hmm. uh, was in a coaching program with me, became a coach at that program, then spun off and started his own company, and I still work with him. Um, sitting down one day and he, he knows my obsession with, with Gary and all things digital and media. Mm-hmm. And he says, I'm going to start doing this. And I said, you do that. Let me know how it works out for you. Mm-hmm. And he started doing it because I didn't want to invest the time, effort or money. Um, and he started getting traction from him and it built that, it built that perception of expertise. And he is an expert. It's not fraudulent in any yeah. way, shape or form. He knows these things off the top of his head, just like we do here. Yeah. But he figured out a way to put that message out there, not just in, hey, look at me. Mm-hmm. I have all the answers. It's, hey, look at me because I'm giving you the value and the information, the education that you not only need, but you should want every mm-hmm. month. Yeah. And he started to convert people into regular followers so that they would say, hey, I have a question. Don't, nobody should ever feel bad calling me here in the office and saying, there's not a chance in hell I'm ever selling my house. I'm going to die here in 70 years. I just bought it. I'm 30. And I promise you I'm never going anywhere. But can you keep me up to date on what's going on with prices in my market? Yeah. 100%. You know, we've got a mailing list in towns, in certain towns that are, you know, five, six, 700 pieces just go out automatically to people. 95% of them I'll probably never have a conversation with. And of the remaining 5%, 95% of them I'll probably never do business with, but yeah, that's okay. I'm a resource yeah. and that's what we look at. You know, we're, we're the guide in people's journey. We're never the hero. Yeah, for sure. And, do you mind if I ask you a question? Cause I, sure. I've selfishly wanted to ask you Go this. For it. I selfishly wanted to ask mm-hmm. you this question. So just to put a little limelight on Corey, um, how did you find Corey? Cause you know, I, I'm, so I I'm, started, I started down that path. I know exactly where you're going. Okay. You're looking for somebody. How do you find them? Yeah. You know, so, o- only because right now it's me by myself. Yeah. I'm new. And you're doing a truth is I can't afford to hire anybody. And you're doing a phenomenal job. Thank you. By yourself. And, you. and that's I what that. I love about this is Corey, Corey's more a luxury for me. He mm-hmm. was not, he was a necessary hire probably in another 12 months, but I hired him a year ago mm-hmm. or just under a year ago. Okay. So I'll give you the story on how I, how I got him first. Cause it was a total fluke. Okay. Um, I mentioned Ed Turney earlier. Mm-hmm. Ed started Ed Turney media. Yep. Ed sent Jason out with me the, mm-hmm. the first day Jason gets hired away. He sends this other guy over train, uh, Anthony Dillareyes train comes with me for a couple of weeks. Cause we contracted for 10 or 10 or 12 weeks, something like that. Okay. Um, and it was, we're going to produce a vlog for you and we'll get a couple pieces of micro content out of the vlog for you to post. So I'll get three or four pieces of content a week. Um, and about six weeks into my contract train disappeared. He got called out to go work with a client that they had had a little bit longer, another four gotcha. D's, another four D's client. Yeah. Um, and actually two others. So Corey shows up with me one day and I'm, I'm good. I don't care. You know, whatever. Um, and we were working, Corey, what was it? Three weeks, maybe? Where the conversation came up, three or four weeks, 
and, and we're in the car one day and we're talking and I I'm rambling like I always do. Uh, and, and that's part of their job. A good videographer knows to engage you in conversation yeah, ask or ask, yeah. ask what they may think are the stupid questions because people are afraid to ask them. So mm-hmm. now I talk about it and Hey, you didn't have to ask that quote unquote stupid question. Yeah. And I'm answering it for you anyway. Yep. Great content. Yeah. Um, so I got lucky a couple weeks in, he says, I don't know. There's just something weird about me. I love houses and take pictures of them and real estate. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking he's trying to blow smoke up my ass. Yeah. And the next week <laughs> it comes up and I'm watching. And I, so now I start observing him. Mm-hmm. And a couple of days later we talked and I said, well, listen, if I can get the Godfather's blessing, cause you work for Ed, mm-hmm. I would love to steal you away from him because part of my deal with Ed in the beginning was during the course of you working, us working together, I'm going to look for somebody to hire. Okay. And whatever time is left on my contract, your guys are going to teach my guy what to do. He was, I'm all in. And Ed is one of the most giving individuals I, I know professionally. Mm. Uh, he'll do, he'll bend over backwards for anybody. Uh, so Corey and I get a little bit nervous because I don't know what's going on. And I, I kind of feel bad and I hate that phrase. I feel bad, but I kind of feel a little, little guilty saying I'm going to steal your guy. Uh, and we came up with a number that worked for us. And I said, if, if Ed gives us his blessing, Mm-hmm. Would you want the job full time? And he was like, done. Nice. Turned, you know, had the offer for Vayner kind of dangling out there a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, he lives way out there east and doesn't like to commute to the city. It would yeah. have drastically impacted his quality of life that we've talked about. And Big I don't time. think I'm speaking at a turn when I talk about this, right? My wife goes into the city every day. I, I, listen, like, like I said, I had a bar in Hell's Kitchen. It was still doing two yeah. hour commutes some nights at four in the morning. Yeah. Um, but so I, I went to Ed and I said, I've got a possible opportunity or a possible problem, depending on how you look at it. Mm. And we met, he was doing a podcast with, uh, Jay Ciano, who is building quite an audience for himself. He's with okay. Sabre, Sabre commercial real estate. Um, and he's, uh, he, he's a, he's kind of a powerhouse, but and he does a lot of work in the commercial industry. Mm-hmm. He's doing the podcast at his studio in garden city. Okay. And I'm going over to see mom and dad who live in garden city. So I stop and I say, Ed, let, let's talk after you're done. I know we both got a tight schedule in passing. I'll pull over in the parking lot. We'll talk out front. Well, great. Come on over. We meet, I tell him the situation and he looks at me and he gets a smile from ear to ear. I'm like, I'm stealing your guy. I'm asking to steal your guy and you're smiling. He's like, I really don't have enough full-time work for him. And I feel bad that I can't funnel more money or work mm. to the guy. If you can put him to work full-time, that's a win for both of us. I don't yeah, have to feel awesome. guilty. You get a solution to your problem. Yeah. So it was, it was lucky, but I'm also a big believer in karma. Yeah. Um, Ed and I had a very good working relationship, even mm-hmm. though we didn't talk as much during the course of the time, he would always reach out and say, anything wrong, anything you mm-hmm. want more of or less of I'm like, these guys are great. Very cool. Um, so we've talked about spinning our media division, mm-hmm. which is Corey right now, yep. um, into a separate company eventually. And it may be something that could happen this calendar year. It may be something that never happens. I don't know. Uh, but we've looked into opportunities to say, where can we find people who are willing to come in as interns, high school students, college yeah. students, you know, five towns colleges here. And a lot BOCES is offering mm-hmm. video and, and photography type things. I took photography for three years in high school. I loved it and had a chance opportunity come up to do something like this, I would have been all over it. Yeah. So where do you find them? You just keep asking the one, the one thing that I had, and this is not to knock wedding photographers because the guy who invited us to California, Mm -hmm. the guy who runs his video team, his media team came from the the wedding video, the, the wedding photography world. Okay. When I first put the ads out, I had person after person after person coming to me. And again, like I said, I'm not a fan of people with 
huge ego and arrogance. I'm, yeah. I'm an arrogant enough SOB myself. I don't need more competition <laughs> in that. Um, but they would come to me and say, what do you want? What do you need? This is what I'm looking to do. And in all my ads, I said, do you know Vaynerchuk? Do you know DRock? Do you know Casey Neistat? Mm. People who were doing what I wanted to, to replicate in my field. Most of them didn't know who he was. But when I got on the phone with him, they said, I can do that. Don't worry about it. You do what you got to do and get out of the way. I'll take care of the rest. And then I got a few that thought they were Marty Scorsese and, you know, I want 150,000 a year and like, come on, I'm a startup here and I'm not looking for, I'm not looking to break the bank and I'm not looking to put you, I'm not looking to put your grandchildren through college either. Yeah. We're a partnership. And Corey and I look at that. We're a partnership. I mm -hmm. sent him out on jobs all the time for other people. And I'm um, sure, I'm sure people must see what Corey's doing for you. And I'm sure Corey gets hit up on the side all the time now. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I use the <laughs> phrase all the time. I pimp them out to other people all the time, but it's also, you know, it's an opportunity for us to not only, so he does great work with, with the drone. He does a great work with the still shots. He does great mm -hmm. walkthrough videos. Uh, he's learned how to use the Matterport cameras, the 3d cameras that we use. That's and cool. he's a phenomenal editor. And mm -hmm. it's not always the kind of thing where somebody's a gr great behind the camera. And then on the editing, on the editing bay, I just got lucky. Yeah. Um, and if it meant I had to, had to hire two people to get it, but he understands, he understands my idea of what the voice mm -hmm. of the content should be. It needs to be authentically who I am, but I yep. want to give him the artistic freedom to create. That's awesome. Uh, and we very rarely push the edges with each other. We kind of yeah. have, I, I'm all, I, I got an idea. Can we do this? Yep. He does something. He's like, this is totally outside the box. What do you think? Okay. I'm like, let's try it. I'm cool. good. And he does, he, he'll, um, He'll post, uh, you approve it, but he'll help. No, you. I, I do all the distribution. That's, okay. that's where the gap is in our business right now. Okay. And that's why you'll see inconsistencies. And in when we don't post for two or three days, mm -hmm. that's 100% my fault. Gotcha. And I want to, I want to get it to the point where we could figure out a distribution process. And we actually yeah. came up with a, a very simple idea yesterday or the day before I said, why don't we just do this title, every piece of content put a link to it in a Google doc, put the title of it there. We'll put a little spreadsheet checklist under each of them to say what piece was posted where and when. Mm. And then I'll use something like Planoly or something else like that for Instagram. I could schedule in advance on Facebook. Yeah. So I've got to schedule, I've got to take better control of my calendar when it comes to my distribution Gotcha. and say, all right, once a month or once a week, I'm going to sit down for X amount of hours yeah. and say, here's the content. But the other, the downside to that is I want to do some stuff in real time as well. Yeah, I don't yeah, want that's, that's the, that's the issue that I run into. I'm like, okay, I want to document yeah. the journey. Right. Yep. And I don't want that one week delay. It, yes, that's what ex exactly. Exactly. No, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in that same thing. And it's funny because I, I interviewed someone recently and they told me, you know, they use one of the calendar services and they have all their stuff basically they sit down Sunday, they plan everything out and it goes out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Monday. I was listening to the podcast you did with the photographer. Yes. And yeah, great friend where he literally said, I have 30 days worth of content. I take a day a month. Yeah. I plan the next 30 days and yes. I'm done. Yes. I know. And I, I like, think oh from a photographer who's out there displaying his, his art and his craft. Yeah. That's his message. Yes. Or that's one of his messages. I don't, yeah. I don't want to pigeonhole him because I, I listened yeah. to a little more than half of that podcast. Mm -hmm. And I think that guy's got several messages out there. I thought yes. he was really good at what he did. Yes, he is. Um, and I'll, I'll, what, what, yeah, you give him, you give him the yeah, shout out because I can't his remember. His name, name is Jeff Moran Morales that's and it. he's the owner of Box of Dreams Photography. Box of Dreams, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And he does 
honestly, I'm not just saying this. He does phenomenal work. Yeah. And it looked, it looked beautiful. Like I said, I, I try to do as little research as possible about my guests if I don't know mm-hmm. them before they get here, because I want it to be as authentic as possible. So yeah. the discovery for me is yeah, yeah. for the audience as well. Um, which makes some people uncomfortable, no, but other people all. don't. And I, I appreciate it. I, that it's not I did the same people. thing. I, I walked in, I saw Corey. I was like, I already know your name, man. Yeah. <laughs> I looked, I looked you up on Instagram. <laughs> and that, I, let me tell you, there's societal changes happening as a result of those things. It's like, we've got so many more friends than we can handle because yeah. we just assume we know everybody. Um, it, it, it's, it's funny, but again, I, I like to look at it and say, I'm a little more mature than the average social media consumer out there. Yep. Uh, I definitely live in the Facebook generation, which is we got on Facebook to watch what our kids were doing, which is why they ran away. <laughs> but I followed into all, all the other things. I love telling the story. My my daughter, who's now 11, uh, she was the one who taught me how to use Snapchat when she was mm. four or five. And then I used it for business. I figured out how to geo-target other restaurants in the area in New York City. Oh, that's and awesome. I made a lot of enemies real quick because they couldn't figure out why they were posting things on Snapchat and they saw my yep. filters in their restaurants. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, and it's crazy how many different platforms there are and how they're all for a different audience. I just started getting more into the LinkedIn side of things yep. and it, it's it's, cra- think- it's crazy the organic reach that the different platforms have right now. I don't know as much about LinkedIn as I should. I'm I'm just starting to dabble in it. I've been mm-hmm. on it forever, but I never yeah. even knew how the hell to sign into it or what yeah. it was. <laughs> Do you see, as someone who's in it a little bit like me and a little bit younger than me, do you see LinkedIn having an age range or do you see that as just more of a, that's a business opportunity place than than Um, it is an age thing? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've seen some younger people in it, Mm -hmm. but for the most part, I will say if I had to put an age range on it, um, anywhere from 30 and up. It's not age driven. It's professional. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's professional. So anything I post on there might be, um, you're not putting TikTok videos up on LinkedIn. No, I'm not putting TikTok. (laughs) I'm doing, you know, thank you to, let's say I, 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 uh, joined a networking group. I'm going to post pictures about my networking group on there. I might share some stories from my networking group, Mm -hmm. you know, something that we said during it that I think other business related people would could benefit from. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's what I try to pander to it there. But I've just noticed for me, the organic reach is much better on LinkedIn compared to Facebook. It is. And Instagram's still okay, but it, I mean, it's yeah. not as good as it used to be, but. We, we kind of live primarily in the Instagram world because it's a good place for me to figure things out. And, and yeah. a lot of our target audience, and it's one of the questions I want to ask, I'm mm-hmm. going to circle back around to the business and ask you, but yeah. a lot of our target audience is of that, that demographic. Yeah. Uh, age wise. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But Me their too. parents who are making a move are also in the Facebook. So I've got to do a better job on the Facebook end. But for me, uh, Instagram has kind of been the sandbox. I can go in there and play around and break things and not worry about it. Yeah. Um, not that I've ever, I've never, I have never, ever, ever deleted. All right. Let me rephrase that. I've <laughs> never put up a post and deleted it for the sake of it didn't get engagement. I did. Del- I did delete a post yesterday. Mm-hmm after about four minutes because I put it up in the wrong format and it got like right. 15, 20 likes. And I was, uh, doesn't look right. We got to do it. And I'm texting with, I'm texting with Corey at like nine 30 at night. I'm like, well, how do I fix it? It's not working. It's not working. Oh crap. I screwed up. I'm deleting it. I'll start over again. Uh, but literally deleted it, put it back. Same text, everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not one of those people. I listen, love me or hate me, I don't care. You want to troll me? Yeah. Let, let's go toe to toe in the comments for everybody. Have, to see. have you gotten any of those yet? I, I, you know what? I, and listen, I don't have a, I do not have anywhere near a big following. I have maybe 300 and maybe almost 400 people on Instagram. I don't think I've ever gotten 
a negative comment yet. But I think once you hit a certain point, they're just bound to come. Uh, we, we just hit 1100, which okay. again is minute. But the, the beauty of it is of the 1100, um, you know, I've engaged with a tremendous percentage of yeah. them. Yeah. Um, the only ones I delete are the Forex traders mm-hmm. who just randomly oh my put- God, yes. I, I don't get why they think, why people would think that would work in any format. <sighs> And it adds no value. So I, I look at that and say, it's just noise. Get rid of it. Yeah. Because it, it literally is spam. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just report those. And, and I got to the point with, with a lot of them where I haven't gotten a lot of them, gotten much of it lately, which is mm-hmm. good. Uh, but I, I try to engage with everybody. It's like, no, I mean, any hate. Have you gotten any hate? I've gotten disagreement. I wouldn't okay. say hate. All right. That's yeah. good. But, you know, disagreement to me, again, another opportunity. Mm-hmm. Hey, tell me why you disagree. Yeah. Why do you think I'm a jackass? Please tell me because yeah. if you're right, maybe I might make an effort to make a change. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, I've gotten other real estate agents to call me out. I've gotten consumers who think realtors are frauds call me out. And I treat it the same way I treated Yelp when I owned a restaurant. When I, when I started with Yelp, everybody in the business said, stay away from it. It is the kiss of death. Don't even look at it. So I do, me being me, went the exact opposite direction. <laughs> I am going to obsess about it. Yep. When we opened the restaurant, we had eight reviews in the first three days, all glaringly positive, mentioning people's names and names of plates and drinks. Mm-hmm. It was mind blowing. And the staff was rah, rah, yeah, yeah. And right. I came in one day. Um, I was usually the first one there every day, but this one day in particular, I had to focus on the real estate business. It was a Wednesday afternoon and I got to the, I got to the restaurant around two o'clock and we opened at four. And you would have thought somebody died. Like, what's the matter? And everybody was down in the dumps. Did you see Yelp? I saw, I saw we got another review. I haven't read it yet. Go read it. And this guy, this woman ripped us apart, ripped us apart. And as I'm, they're all looking at me, like he's going to go after me. He's going to get pissed. And I said, Nope, everything in there is right. Their definition of what the experience was did not meet their needs. Mm. We failed to ask them on the way out, what could we do to make you leave here happy? That's mm. what it was all about. It's hospitality, it's yep. service. It's, it's, so I replied on, on Yelp, and my reply went something along the lines of, I can't thank you enough for sharing your experience with us. And I'm going to try to remember it as close to word for word as possible. Uh, as someone who's new to the business and an establishment that's new to the area, I can't thank you anymore for the feedback, whether it's positive or negative, it's an opportunity for us to learn and improve. Mm -hmm. And we appreciate you calling us out on everything that you did. That's amazing. Now, when I went back and I looked at the video from the night before, Mm -hmm. they kind of embellished on a lot of what happened because I did dissect the, we had 16 cameras in a restaurant that held 30 people. You know, it was, (laughs) it was a little overkill when they built the place, but that's, that's a, a ridiculous story for another time. And, but someone's interpretation of it didn't meet their needs. And I publicly said there on Yelp, I would love nothing more for you to come back, mm. give me a week to work on this as a training, as a training opportunity and come back any point next week and don't tell anybody who you are until you're done. And when that happens, say, look, this is me on Yelp. And I'm going to ask you the question, was it better this time? And that person never came back and did what I asked them to do. But I had other people give us bad reviews and give us a second chance. And every one of them went back and didn't delete. And I was grateful for it. They didn't delete the bad review, mm-hmm. but they did go back and do another one saying, this is my second oh, review nice. of this That's place. Nice. And I asked them for it. I was, came right out and I charged them for their meal. 
Yeah. You know, because I didn't want them thinking anything was happening for free and I didn't want anything. Mm-hmm. I, I was buying them off. Now, yeah. when they became customers, yeah, I'd take care of them whenever I could within reason, but yeah. you got to understand, you know, 30, 30, 35, 40% of what I'm putting on a plate, that's a product that I got to pay for. I'll cover the cost of the service and everything else, but you're not walking out with a freebie. Exactly. You have three drinks, I'll buy you the fourth because my margins are still there. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why bars bars and restaurants do those kind of things. So I'm a big believer in engaging with the consumers, both positive and negative. And if and when I get it on on Instagram or other places, I'm I'm I but I, at the same time, I will protect my people mm-hmm. to a to a fault. I get that. Yeah, and just yeah. just how about just responding to any comment for that sake? There, I, there's plenty of people I see that will post something they get. 25 comments and yeah. you know, they don't respond to any of them. Nothing. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'll, I'll never claim to be the best at it. Yeah. Uh, but I do, I do make an effort and you can ask my wife, I sit down every night if we're sitting on the couch, just, you know, frying our brains, watching survivor. Mm-hmm. I'll sit there and scroll through all my social media and I yeah. can, I can watch TV with one eye and reply to basic, you know, you know, high fives and hearts and the other things. I'd like yeah, to yeah. put words in there. I'd like to put two sentences in whenever possible, yeah. but especially when it's people who engage with me on a regular basis, I know yeah. them. So giving them that, that, that silly sarcastic response. I get that. Sometimes the emojis are nice though. You know, the, the little 100 or, the, tell you, or the, the hands. I, I like the, I like the emojis and it's good for the audience. Yeah, and yeah. it actually, there are studies that show that the emojis actually increase engagement. Mm-hmm. Don't overdo it, but, but putting them in there does, We've tested out emails where I put emojis in the in the title of an email. You'd be amazed at the open rates, how the open rates increase with the under with the under. I want to say thirty five audience. Mm-hmm. You put an emoji in in it in it, and the the open rates will increase. With now with the seventy year old, they're looking at it saying, "I, I can't see it. What yeah. is that yellow that? blob? Yeah, what's this little pile yeah. of poop?" So yeah. you you got to know your audience. <laughs> and again, that's all that's all part of automation, as far as I'm concerned. That research and pulling that data. Yeah. You know, I, with our database, we can tell what our open rates are. So we can A/B test a lot of different things because cool. I don't send email just for the send of sake of sending it. I want you mm-hmm. to read it because there's something of value in it for you. Yeah, yeah, there may be a sales opportunity in it for me as well, but the heart and soul of it is all about all about the the end user. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I could sit here and have business conversations like this all day and night. Yeah, so I, I find I find social media so interesting and all the different avenues you yeah. can go. You know, yeah. and like we were just I, we just talked about it, but I'm already excited about it. LinkedIn, you post the business stuff. Facebook, you post you know to the older crowd. No offense. No, none taken. And then Instagram, you know, is a completely different demographic. So all that stuff is, and it's so interesting because it's constantly changing. Yeah. You know, some use are good for hashtags. Some are not good for hashtags. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn, you want to tag a lot of people. You might not want to tag people on certain. Right. You know, and and with, like with LinkedIn, I have not gone down the path of, of using those practices yet. Because yeah. for me, it's I, I just want to start getting some content out there. Yeah. Like Corey and I have talked about TikTok. Yeah, yeah that's, yeah, I have to get into that too. Snapchat's kind of being leapfrogged by some people, but there may be opportunity in there as well. Mm. But TikTok is more somewhere where you it's easier to, to follow and see who's following. But Snapchat, it's at least the way I understand it, a lot of it's invisible. So I don't know if it makes sense for me to put the time or effort into that, at least now. Yeah, if you can't gauge what's happening. But we've talked about TikTok saying that TikTok eventually is going to age up just like mm-hmm. every other platform has. Mm-hmm. And if we don't start populating it now with messages that are relevant to the older end of their users, when the younger users get to that age, there's going to be someone else doing yeah. it. So if for no other reason, let's be there so that when people do, do decide to say hashtag Long Island Real Estate, 
there's a good chance I'm going to show up and then hopefully they can see me as a resource. Yeah. I have a friend who's actually friends with Ed Turney. His name is Joe Calabria okay. and he's a basketball coach at Stony Brook now. <laughs> he started a TikTok and I followed him on it. I haven't done anything on TikTok yet, but I followed him on it. And I want to say his fourth or fifth post. And all he does is post TikToks of, it could be basketball practice with music in the background, mm -hmm. a quick pass and a shot, whatever the case is. He has two videos now that have over a million views. And really? he doesn't have more than 15 posts. And what's his name? Uh, let, me, let me just find out what it is on uh, He's a Stony TikTok. Brook, Stony Brook yeah, basketball it, car coach? It's uh, Joe Calabria. And let okay. me find his TikTok so I can shout it out because he has some amazing stuff on there. Um, yeah, again, it's all basketball related. Okay. Yeah, so it's Coach Calabria on TikTok. Um, yeah, he has 1.8 million views on one. 161,000 on another. Um, yeah. And he has three, six he has 11 videos. <laughs> but you know, again, it's, it's relevant to the audience. You know, TikTok is my, my daughter who's 11 is obsessed with it. Uh, as are almost all of her friends. Yeah, and my I, little cousins too. I walk in the house and see them contorting their bodies. And yep. you know, I, like I said, I like to be a jackass. So when I see three of them dancing and there's an opportunity, guess whose head pops up in the middle of all of them. They don't expect it. Yeah. Half the time they keep it. Yeah. Like, well, you know what? You might want to tag your old man in there because I got to build an audience. I'm not selling houses to 11-year-old kids. But you yeah, know what? Right. Those 11-year-old kids are going to turn 16, 18, 22, 24 one of these days. And I got news for you. I'm not going away. Yeah. Unless somebody offers me an insane amount of money, I'm not selling my company yet. There you go. Or um, they might they might tell their parents. And that's and that's exactly it. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> eventually the parents are going to start following. It's why, it's why Facebook got ruined for the kids. Yeah. Parents started watching and the kids said, I don't need mom and dad seeing mm -hmm. me. And then the grandparents started watching. Yeah. And the kids said, we're out of here. That's happening on Instagram it, now. I've it, noticed a lot of family been, members getting yeah. onto, onto Instagram. Instagram is aging up very, yeah. very quickly uh, because now it's as people aged up, mm -hmm. they understood it. And the older ones started to pay more attention to it. And it, it made sense for them. Yeah. So it's, once they have that fear of not breaking it. And I, I just think of my parents who are 79 and 75 now. Once they get past that, that fear of breaking something, they're free to use it and they become a user. They don't necessarily use it right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my, my mother wrote out the word hashtag once and I just laughed at it. <laughs> so let's circle back around because we've been, we've been at this a while and I don't want right, to cool. overstay my welcome with you. All right. um, so we discussed your business and we're going we're gonna to link up all your contact info there. Cool. I want to go back and ask you one question that I try to ask every entrepreneur that we have here. All right. Can you define who your ideal client is? That's a good one. Um, my e ideal client is someone who has a similar mindset to me, is an entrepreneur. They want to grow their business. Um, and someone that wants to learn, if we're talking specifically about insurance, someone that wants to learn about their policy and that's interested in knowing about their policy, not someone who's just like, they're going to switch for a dollar. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Someone that really wants <clears throat> to build a relationship learn about my business a little bit while I can also learn theirs and build that relationship. That's the type of client. I as want. long as the financial can stay competitive, you want somebody who's engaged in figuring yes. out the best solution I, for themselves. I do not care if the premium's $500 or $250,000. If the person is someone that's, you know, engaging, they want to learn. That's what excites me. Um, I, 
And I think on that note, that's a good a good jumping off point for us today because I think I think there's quote unquote opportunity for you and I to sit down and do more of this. A hundred percent. Whether it be in a micro version where we just do some sound bites and clips yeah, uh, to cool. educate people, or whether it be yeah. in long form, sitting down for another hour long interview, uh, I'm listening and I'm I'm always looking for the chance to connect with people who who seem to be on a similar page to me or can put me on a page similar to them. That's a yes. benefit to both of us. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna dangle that carrot out there for both of us to say cool. I think I think we should talk offline yeah. about what we can do to bring value. And anybody who's listening who's made it this far through the podcast, if you could share with us what you think, guys like like Sean and I can, can do to bring value to our audience. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, we're working on putting together more of the podcast notes and all of those things. So we're going to cool. make an effort to tag and highlight everybody that we mentioned here today, down, cool. down to the million view basketball coach and, and, the, <laughs> and the photographers and Ed and everyone else. Sean, I can't thank you enough for coming out and doing this. Thanks today. for having me. Dean. Uh, you've been an absolute pleasure and, and brought a tremendous amount of insight to me and I hope to our audience, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, and I look forward to doing it again. Thanks, man. Ladies and gentlemen, Sean Fitzgerald. Thanks so much, thanks, my guys. man.